Hello and welcome back to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 51. I'm your host, Alcatan. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. We're going to talk a lot about the USA versus Argentina Copa America Centenario semifinal. But before we get into all that negativity, why don't we start off with some positivity as we talk about the amazing soccer-themed clothing brand named Ambitious Strike, Nihal. Yeah, if you want to get some awesome clothing, go to AmbitiousStrike.com and use the code BROTHERS at checkout for a 15% off discount. The link to the website is in the description. The U.S. took on Argentina on June 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern Time in the Energy Field in Houston, Texas, and it was not a great showing for the U.S. as they looked poor, and also the result reflected that much as they lost 0-4. They opened up in a 4-4-2. Chris Wondolowski and Clint Dempsey led the, led the front lines, and right away, um, a lot of U.S. fans got worried, a lot of flashbacks to that round of 16 game versus Belgium in the 2014 World Cup. Um, a good sight for a lot of U.S. fans was that same back four that did so well in the group stage for the most part. Um, but then we saw a little bit more of a regressive midfield where we saw Zuzi, Beckerman, Bradley, and Zardes. Beckerman, the replacement for a uh, red-carded Jermaine Jones, and Zuzi, the replacement for yellow-card accumulation uh, Alejandro Bedoya. And that midfield, as I'm sure you'll agree, looked didn't really look as attacking as we saw in the previous group stage matches. Well, the thing was, they played sort of a flat 4-4-2, so Bradley and Beckerman were sort of playing next to each other. And I think when we've seen these two play well together was when Bradley was in front of Beckerman. That being said, Kyle Beckerman is not the same player he was even two years ago. He's slow. You know, he wasn't able to make the simple passes. He wasn't able to get back on defense. He's just not good enough to be on the team right now. I would rather have seen Perry Kitchen. I would rather have seen a 4-3-3 with Michael Bradley, Graham Zussi, and Darlington Nagby in midfield. Kyle Beckerman wasn't the right choice. Graham Zussi, I understand. I think Graham Zussi makes sense. He's a sort of like-for-like replacement for Alejandro Bedoya. And then, as you said, back line was the same. No, you know, no really, no questions there. Although I think we might have benefited from playing Matt Beasler at left back and playing Fabian Johnson in midfield. The one, the glaring starting lineup choice was Chris Wondolowski. You know, we thought this could happen. I wasn't sure that it actually would happen, and then it did happen. Um, it, it just, you know, Wondolowski is not good enough for this. Is not good enough for this team, and also he just doesn't work well with Clint Dempsey. They're two slow strikers, and he was just awful. And I will get into it when we, when we get into the goals, but he was just absolutely terrible. Uh, I hope this is the last we see of him in a national team jersey. You know, I wanted to get you know I wanted to sort of give him a second chance, but he proved tonight that he should not be in this team. He shouldn't he shouldn't be the starting eleven, let alone the twenty three. So or he shouldn't be the twenty three, let alone the starting eleven. He's just not good enough. Yeah. I I I don't think he's good enough either. But going back to the midfield, uh you were talking about Beckerman and Bradley playing that flat uh, right. you know, and we, we saw that before this flat four four two with Jermaine Jones and Michael Bradley, except, I mean, they were playing side by side, but Jermaine Jones was clearly the more attacking midfielder and Bradley was the more defensive minor midfielder. Well, Bra- Bradley can, or Jones can cover way more ground than Kyle Beckerman can. And I think that's, that works in a two midfield set. Kyle Beckerman does not cover ground at all. 
No, no, yeah, that's what I was almost saying. Like, you're asking Bradley to play a different role, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're saying in the previous matches, Bradley was a more defensive player. In this one, he was meant to be the more attacking player. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But also, there's just so much more less ground covered. And, you know, Kyle Breckerman, I think, might work well against Argentina in a 4-3-3. But he, not in a 4-4-2. I just don't think that Kyle Breckerman, like I said, is fast enough or as good as he used to be to be able to, to cover the ground he needs to cover against Argentina, especially when their midfield consists of Avery Banega, Javier Mascherano, and Augusto Fernandez. You know, we're going to be overrun, and we were overrun. Argentina had the possession. They had the opportunities. Immediately, when, when the U.S. lost the ball, we knew this was going to happen. I was telling you before the match and in the first two minutes. Immediately, when the U.S. got the ball, Argentina presses. Two, three, four men were on the ball. And the U.S. didn't know what to do with it, so they would either kick it forward or lose the ball. or I mean, just clear it out of bounds or lose the ball. You know, they, they really had no game plan for that. I think that's the most disappointing thing that we saw in this match. There was no real semblance of a game plan. There was no tactical, uh, I don't know, ta- tactical awareness by the U.S. national team. It, it, it was just a disappointing display all around. Yeah, and I think with that we should get into the specifics of how it all unfolded. So uh, the first goal was very early on, which wasn't a good sight for Jurgen Klinsmann and the U.S. Men's National Team. When it, In the third minute, uh, Ezequiel of FC ended up scoring uh, off a corner kick. Uh, Benega played a ball, and Fabian Johnson did get in the way of it, but cleared it only as far as Lionel Messi was on the edge of the box. Yeah. Played a really nice lofting ball, which was easy for Levesi to head past uh, Guzan, who really moved up forward too much. Right, and someone has to track the run of Levesi there. Whether it's Clint Dempsey, Fabian Johnson, someone who is in the vicinity has to, to track the runner. And, I, and you have to feel that Clint Dempsey was the closest one and was sort of the one marking Lovetsy. Just lost him and Lovetsy gets an easy goal. Brad Guzan, caught in no man's land. Come out and get the ball or stay in the line. I mean, don't come in between. And it was just really, it was hor- a horrible, horrible start for the U.S. because you figured, you know, they wanted to get through the first 10, 15, 20 minutes and then start to play into the match. Already three minutes in, we were down one nothing, um, starting from a set piece. Not great. Not a great start. A horrible start, actually, for the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, and, and it didn't get any better in the 32nd minute where Wondolowski, uh, the U.S. was on a counterattack. Wondolowski takes a t- terrible touch and it falls back. He tries to recover from that and chase down the man with the ball, Lionel Messi, but he drags him down, earns himself a yellow card and a free kick. Uh, where Messi was 27 yards away and, and took an amazing free kick, uh, upper 90 right post, which Brad Gazan could not save. Yeah, so number one, like you said, Chris Wondolowski has an opportunity on a counterattack to maybe spring Clint Dempsey or Giassi Zardes or Graham Zussi, someone, uh, or just pass a simple pass back to Bradley. There's options there. Wando loses it, chases it back. Uh, Argentina's in possession. Messi comes inside. And then Wando just tackles him. The free kick, absolutely incredible free kick. And we actually have a new segment called the Ambitious Strike, Ambitious Play of the Match. Um, that was the Ambitious Play of the Match, a great free kick from Lionel Messi. He was fantastic uh, throughout the match, first of all. And that's, that's a hard free kick to stop once it happens. Guzan did cheat a little bit. He did jump to his right. Uh, Messi does go far post, and you called it. You said it. You know, I think Messi's going to go far post here, but yeah. Guzan's going to expect him to go near post. Um, Guzan 
you know, I, I, even if he does go to his left, does he save that? I don't know. Eclipse, eclipse the underneath of the of the uh, crossbar. It's just an inch perfect free kick. It's absolutely beautiful. But but the main thing is Chris Wondolowski's giveaway and his foul. Uh, you know, the foul you can maybe forgive him. But I still don't think he needed to foul him there. But the giveaway was absolutely terrible, absolutely awful, and. Uh, this is just one of the many reasons why Wondolowski shouldn't be in the lineup. It's, it's it's as simple as that. Great great goal by by Lionel Messi in Argentina. Unfortunate for the U.S. to be down two nothing just thirty one minutes into the match. Yeah, and, and I think a point to stress here is that you know even if Messi didn't get a goal off of all this, that was an attacking opportunity. He right. So that's that's the reason that we're upset about that. Uh, and then you know halftime halftime came and Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, had a talk with the team, and he decided to take out Chris Wondolowski, which we were all happy about, and put on Christian Pulisic and and change it up a little bit as he moved Jossi Zardes into the role that Chris Wondolowski was playing before um, and move Christian Pulisic to the outside midfield. Right. Uh, Yeah, like you said, we were happy with that. Um, You know, Pulisic wasn't all that great, but good experience for him. Yeah, but it didn't take uh, too long in the second half for Argentina to score. In the 50th minute, uh, Messi played a ball out wide to Lavezzi, who waited for the, just the right time to play a good ball over the top into Gonzalo Higuain. John Brooks tries to play the offside trap, but it didn't work. And Higuain gets a shot on Guzan. Guzan saves it, but it wasn't good enough as Higuain gets the second effort. And uh, then it's 3-0, and the U.S. started to see the third-place game in the future. I would hesitate to say that Guzanse wasn't good enough. I thought he did very well to get a stop there. I mean, it wasn't good enough to stop. Right. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying it wasn't good fair, enough. Fair enough. But, I mean, yes. the U.S. defender has to track that and clear it. I mean... No, John Brooks gave up because right, he thought he, right. you know, he was offside. I mean, not gave up. I mean, it actually starts with a bad giveaway from Christian Pulisic in midfield. He, he loses the ball, and then... Jeff Cameron steps to it. Seems like he wins the ball. Leo Messi takes it off of him and runs, and that's how the play starts. He, he passes it off to Lavezzi. Lavezzi gets it into Iguain. So, um, you know, the U.S. just falling apart at that point. You, you expected after that second half for them to maybe come out with a little more fire, a little bit more motivation, something. But five minutes in, it's 3 nothing, and from that point on, the U.S. was just completely dejected. And, you know, at 2 nothing. You can say, okay, you know, you get one early goal, the U.S. is back in it. 3 nothing. 50 minutes in, it's over. Uh, it, like you said, Argentina at that point in the final. Yeah, and, you know, f- for the next 30 or so minutes, it was just the U.S. trying to spring long balls forward and just nothing coming out of it. And, uh, yeah, but b- before Argentina scored their fourth goal in the 65th minute, um, Lavezzi had a very bad injury on his arm. He was backing up, uh, and he went past the sidelines out of bounds and went over an ad post. I don't, I don't know what the technical term is. Ad board. Ad board, yeah. <laughs> and backed up over and flipped. And right away you could tell it was a serious injury when the U.S. went straight to the official. The U.S. players went straight to the official. Yeah, it was It was a nasty injury. And we, have, of course, hope Lavezzi is okay. He, I forgot, Juan Arango tweeted... Uh, the injury, I forgot what it was, but it looked like a broken arm. Um, it was swelling up pretty good there. It, it was just a scary moment, and you have to wonder why the ad boards are so close to the field. Um, I think Christian Pulisic got pushed into the ad board once, too. I mean, that's that's close. And, you know, Lavezzi, I mean, maybe should have known where he was on the field, but I don't, you know, I think that's 
it's like one or two yards from out of bounds. So maybe a little bit more than that, but I don't know. I just think those ambushes shouldn't be there. Unfortunate for Argentina, especially considering, um, well, I think Nicholas Gaetan will be back now, so he'll probably get the start. Um, but especially since Di Maria is all, was already injured, Angel Di Maria was already injured. Um, unfortunate for Argentina, and of course, unfortunate for uh, Lavezzi. And we, of course, hope he's he's back. Yeah, soon. He definitely he had a, he had a goal and an assist while he was on the field. He, right. he played a well a good game, especially you know with the circulation of Argentina right. not being able to be good enough on the left wing because of right. Gaetan's yellow card accumulation. Right, and we weren't sure who was going to start, whether it was going to be uh, Lavezzi or uh, Eric Lamela, uh, who ended up coming on for Lavezzi. Uh, but l- like you said, Lavezzi did a fantastic job in this match and was a handful for that right side of the U.S. defense all day. Finally, in the 86th minute, uh, Bradley tries to play it in the back to Burnbaum, who just misjudges it and can't even get a touch on it. It eventually falls to Messi, runs past Brooks, and uh, crosses, or does a square ball into Iguain. And by that, at that point, Burnbaum's trying to recover from his misplay and get back onto Iguain, but Iguain just has an easy finish pass goes on. I just think it was a bad pass by Bradley. Uh, Burnbaum really shouldn't have faked it. He shouldn't have done a no-touch dribble. <laughs> um, I, but... That was ridiculous. That was the worst goal we conceded, in my opinion. And uh, 4 nothing just looks a lot worse than 3 nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but Argentina deserved it. Yeah. I mean, you know, after this game, you know, a lot of U.S. fans, you know, they don't know how to handle it because, you know, I, I mean, none of us really expected to win. I mean, you, you might believe that, but, you know, when, once the game starts. But it's just the way the U.S., tried to handle adversity in this game after being a goal down. I don't know I don't know if that goal is what caused the U.S. to look so aggressive and so, you know, not ambitious for the rest of the game. But you know, what, what do you think about that? Do you think that third-minute goal was the reason that the U.S. looked so flat? No, I think the, th- the third-minute goal was a result of what the U.S. was doing. Uh, you hear it a, a lot of the players after the match saying, we gave them too much respect, but before the match, all they could talk about was, oh, we can't give them too much respect. Well, why did you then? I, I just think, well, the first goal was more of just a lapse in, in judgment, and then you have to chase the match for the next 87 minutes. But like I said, I think just overall the lineup was not set up in the way it should have been. We shouldn't have been in a 4-4-2. We were overrun in midfield. Kyle Beckerman is not good enough for this team. Chris Wondolowski is not good enough to this team. We, of course, missed Bobby Wood, Alejandro Bedoya, and Jermaine Jones. We missed those guys. But, you know, Nagby should have maybe been in there. Uh, Pulisic maybe should have been in there from the start. Zardes up top and Pulisic or Nagby on the wing or Fabian Johnson on the wing. I mean, Chris Wondolowski is not the right guy. And I, I just think, aside from the lineup choices, I just don't think we had a game plan. You know, the U.S. has played great teams in big competitions before, and we have never lost this badly. Um, especially, and we shouldn't be losing this badly with a team like this on home soil. And I think that's what's frustrating. We, it's not like, you know, they scored four incredible goals, the U.S. gave them sort of a fight. Venezuela looked better than the U.S. did against Argentina. We got zero shots. Not zero shots on target, zero shots, period. You know, we had one potential opportunity with Christian Pulisic where he decided to pass it instead of shoot it. That's one. 
but aside from that, it was already what? It was already 3 nothing at that point, I think. It, it, it was just a terrible, terrible performance. The U.S. looked dejected. They looked lost. They looked slow, a step behind. They were not cool and composed and calm under pressure. They gave away the ball too easily. Michael Bradley was not at his best. John Brooks was decent. Jossie Zardes, bless his heart, was probably the best player on the pitch, in my opinion. Um, or best attacking player on the pitch. Uh, he, he, you know, he was trying so hard to get something going. No one really helped him out in the attack. And this all points to one person, Jurgen Klinsmann. Jurgen Klinsmann in his press conference said, you know, we took two steps forward, but this is one step back. I think Klinsmann in this tournament took one step forward with some consistency and then two step backwards with his lack of tactical awareness. And that's something we, I've been harping on. That's something many U.S. fans and uh, pundits have been harping on. What is the game plan in this match? Our game plan obviously wasn't to bunker in. Or maybe it was and they just scored so early that we couldn't. But it, it just, it didn't, I just, it was just such a disjointed and dysfunctional team under Jurgen Klinsmann. And it's been that way for, what, five, six years now. And, you know, I, I'm getting rambly, but I, I, I don't really know what else to say. I'm not, you know, obviously Jurgen Klinsmann is going to be around until after the 2018 World Cup. Especially after making the semifinals at this tournament, which is... Realistically, that's great that we did that. We made the semifinals of the Copa America, but we just fell flat on our faces, and the, the, like I said at the beginning, the match was over before it really started. Uh, yeah, I think, and it, it is very unfortunate, and I do, I do criticize some of the decisions that the U.S. players made in, in the match against Ecuador, but once Jurgen sees this situation, he should see that a 4-4-2 alone without wood isn't really going to work, but at least at the beginning know that Zardis rep will replicate the play that Wood was playing way better than Wondolowski could. Right. And that will bring the most consistency and the identity that we were starting to see right. at the beginning of the tournament. And um I think another thing, you know, Clint Dempsey didn't didn't look as noticeable as he did in the other matches. Um I think that was a result of the heavy Argentine pressure on him because his his little touches and his ability to get the ball quickly out of his feet were, were one of the things that he was really succeeding in the other games. But when Argentina's coming at him that quickly, I think you started to see um, that Clint Dempsey just wasn't good enough to do, pull off some of the things that he was doing in the other games. Well, and Bobby Wood opened up space for Clint Dempsey. That's the main thing. Wando didn't do any of that. He didn't do anything. You know, sometimes they're in the same spot. And that's why, you know, this is on Klinsman, too. Because you have Bobby Wood on the roster, who's a striker. Giassi Zardes, who he decided to play out wide the entire tournament. Clint Dempsey, who's not an all-out striker. And Chris Wondolowski, who's not good enough for this team. Yes, Josie Elzador and Arne Johansson are hurt. But you have someone like Jordan Morris on the roster, or on the uh, in the pool, that could replicate what Bobby Wood did in this tournament as someone as a last-dish player, and you were saying, why do we even bring Perry Kitchen? I agree with you. Why do we bring Perry Kitchen? He was sort of useless, especially since when we wanted to play, bring on a different defensive midfielder, we brought on a center back and moved Jeff Cameron defensive mid. Yeah, that's true. Perry Kitchen didn't even play this match, so I I, I don't understand. Although I would have liked to see Perry Kitchen maybe start over Beckerman. I, I just... Everything about what happened just doesn't make sense to me. And it, it all goes back to your Klinsman. You were saying, I, I can't remember if you were saying at the beginning of this podcast or beforehand, Chris Wondolowski is not a player you start with. 
He's a player that maybe comes on late in the match, and he 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 makes something happen. He's not a player that you start with, as you said. And everything about this lineup, just you know, he was trying to keep it consistent or whatever with the four four two, but the four four two doesn't work when your two midfielders are Michael Bradley and Kyle Beckerman. And you're coming up, as I said, against Mascherano, Benega, and Fernand, Augusto Fernandez. You're not going to win that battle. And it, it showed. And we lost 4 nothing. Uh, there's, there's nothing more I can really say. The one thing, you know, there's been a lot of criticism pointed towards Michael Bradley. And he deserves it. He deserves it. He keeps on giving the ball away in bad positions. He did it multiple times tonight. His passing hasn't been crisp. You see moments of brilliance with that one turn where he pushed forward, but then, of course, didn't pass it. Your big criticism of him is he doesn't pass it quickly enough. He just holds on to the ball, which is why he loses the ball, which is true. And the criticism is warranted. Maybe Klinsman should consider dropping him for a match or two. And I really think Bradley needs to go back to Europe. He's been linked with Sampdoria recently. Make the move, man. I think that's, I think that's the best thing for his career and for the World Cup in two years. All of that being said, there's no one else in the pool that can do what Michael Bradley does. Uh, and, you know, I think he looks worse, again, as being the more advanced midfielder. As and that's exactly what we saw in the 2014 World Cup, right? Right. So, yeah, he, he's just better in that withdrawn role, as we, as we were seeing earlier in the tournament. Right. And I think that... I, I, I was also going to say that, yeah, I don't think Beckerman's a player that you necessarily want to start with either. And, and I know that Klinsman was short on options, but you have Darlington Nagby, who can play an attacking role like Jermaine Jones does for the Rapids, like like he was for the national team. And 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 or and I understand you don't have Bedoya, but Nagby can provide more of an attacking president, presence, if not just as much. And I think what this really comes down to, and why we saw Perry Kitchen in the lineup, is that I think Jurgen Klinsmann anticipated on playing a 4-3-3 throughout this tournament. And then against Columbia, he decided to switch it up, right? Okay, but you still have Kyle Beckerman, Jermaine Jones, Michael Bradley, and Perry Kitchen. Well, well, well. right now, you're playing with just as many forwards as you are center midfielders. But, but with a 4-3-3, you're playing with you know one forward and then three center midfielders. Right, so, but one of your forwards is already... Two of the, the five forwards listed are wingers. Actually, that's true. None of these none, then, of, none of these forwards even operate he, well enough right, on a one-striker formation. Exactly, and he, and he played Bobby Wood on the wing anyway. So two of... I mean, even then, our, our front three, when we were playing the 4-3-3, was Bobby Wood, Clint Dempsey, and Jossie Zardes. And then our other striker is Chris Wondolowski on the bench. We have no one else. And... You know, there needed to be someone else there. It should have been Jordan Morris. You know, I don't know if Josie Altidore would have made a difference because I think Josie Altidore would have started over Bobby Wood if he were healthy, which I don't think would have been best for the U.S. national team. So, but maybe now Josie can come in and replace Chris Wondolowski and be that guy off the bench, which, to be honest, I'm okay with. I think he's a great option off the bench for the U.S. Um, I mean, I would have been happy if he were the one starting next to Clint Dempsey instead of Chris Wondolowski. Yeah, I, I don't... And I agree with you talking about Michael Bradley. He needs to make a change because the U.S. right now at this point in time is is, is relying on him. And I don't think Klinsman's going to change about making Bradley, you know, the captain, the leader. He, he's supposed to... He, he needs to show up consistently and at a higher level than he is right now. 
And I, and I think, as you said, the the best decision is to him to make a change in his in his whole career, not just his what he can do with the national team. Yeah, and I don't think the Toronto move has suited him. You know, we're big fans of MLS, and we want to see it grow, and we want to see top talent coming here. But as far as the U.S. national team goes, I don't think it's really benefited them. And I mean, Toronto FC is underachieved, yeah. really, <laughs> since since they've made all these acquisitions. They, no, they have. I mean, that's a different, completely different topic. But you know, there there weren't a lot of bright spots tonight. Maybe. DeAndre Yedlin, hopefully he continues to improve. He and John Brooks are going to be stalwarts in that defense for a long time. Uh, like I said, Giassi Zardes just seemed to get better and better in this tournament. And I thought he did okay under pressure tonight. You know, I thought he was actually decent. Which for me is saying a lot. Because I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Giassi Zardes. I thought he was okay. And going back to what you are saying about Clint Dempsey, you're absolutely right. He only had 20 touches in this match. That's so bad. That's so low. And his first touch, he didn't have a touch for so, such a long period of time. And you're never going to win a match like that when you're the U.S. And we're reliant not only on Michael Bradley, we're too reliant on Clint Dempsey as well. And we need to start to move on. Clint Dempsey should absolutely be a part of this team in 2018. But we got to start to move on and find the next player. And, you know, if we're talking about Michael Bradley replacements... Emerson Hyndman just signed a deal with Bournemouth in the Premier League. Maybe he's the guy. Um, him, and even if Bradley's still in there, him, Hyndman, Bradley, and Nagby. I mean, that's a good midfield three. But, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I don't want to be hyperbolic. I don't think we should necessarily move on from Michael Bradley. But I think we need to start looking, at least. Start having options. Because Jermaine Jones and Michael Bradley... Well, Jermaine Jones is just old. Michael Bradley has underperformed for three straight tournaments now. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I don't understand this, why we have to wait for Jermaine Jones to retire to get Nagby into the lineup. He's not a young... I agree with you, but Jermaine Jones had a fantastic tournament. He did, he did have a good tournament. But, I mean, Darlington Nagby never really showed... Like, like, he always showed something different. Right, even today. Even yeah. today, I thought he was good when he came in. I don't know what... Maybe, maybe it's Bedoya, but someone has to sit for Nagby, I think. You think so? Well, well maybe I, Bradley. You know? I, think, <laughs> I think the only way Nagby gets in is in a 4-3-3, and I think that's the problem. Or a 4-5-1. I think that's the main issue. So I don't think Dempsey and Nagby are ever going to start together. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair point. Do you th- do you think that Jermaine Jones has the ability to play uh, and have the work rate that Michael Bradley shown if you if you if you were playing a Klinsman Michael Bradley role? Why? I don't. I, yeah, I think if so. we're pushing Bradley out of the lineup as opposed to Bedoya. Oh, or Jones. I see. Um, yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, but Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley's much more disciplined in terms of his positioning, which I think is why they work so well together in a two-man midfield, Michael Bradley and Jermaine Jones. Um, and we really missed him tonight, and Bobby Wood we missed dearly as well. Bedoya, we also, I mean, he's a great player, but Wood with his runs and Jermaine Jones with his work rate and his, uh, his, his ability to make opposing players off-edge um, or on edge in the midfield was, was missed. 
Yeah, and, and this is, I feel like, I mean, if you're just looking, you're just, you're just looking at the statistics, I mean, 11 shots and 7 on target, Argentina's not a team that just takes shots. They, they look for that perfect shot, especially with players like, you know, like Messi and Higuain, and it's, that, 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 it's... It was it's, evident tonight. Yeah. And the statistics are horrifying for the U.S. That's what I'm saying. Venezuela played so much better against Argentina than we did, and that's what's disappointing. We are better than this, and we have better players than a 4 nothing loss with only 32% possession and zero shots. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I, oh, also the other bright spot. I thought Jeff Cameron actually looked pretty good at midfield. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it shouldn't really have to come to that. I mean. No, but I, I don't know. That's something that I always wanted to see, right? Jeff Cameron in a defensive mid. Yeah. I, 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 but, but you and I both agree that if we had a, if we had a solid midfield, you know, the defense wouldn't have looked as suspect had we been playing that same back line. Yeah. You, yeah. That's probably right. So, I mean, you, you still want to see Brooks, Cameron, Yedlin, and Fabian as our back four in the future? I don't know if I want to see Fabian Johnson back there. I would like to see him on the wing. And if that means Matt Beasler is our left back of the future, so be it. But I think Timmy Chandler is probably eventually going to play there. We got DeSevio Payne. Maybe Anthony Robinson. Not in two years, but Payne is actually playing some soccer in, in, in the uh, Netherlands. Argentina has been perfect in this tournament, getting nine points at the group stage and beating their knockout stage opponents by a combined score of 8-1. to one. Lionel Messi has been playing out of his mind, and he hasn't even played that much in this tournament. Not two starts yeah. for him. And he's got, what, five goals and four assists or something like that? He definitely has five goals. Uh, he's one behind Eduardo Vargas for the golden boot. Um, he's definitely going to win the golden ball. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> But, I mean, they should win. They were the favorites coming in. They're still the favorites. They expect to win. And this should be Lionel Messi's first international, senior international trophy with the Argentine national team. So, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, looking forward to the next semifinal. I'm looking forward to the final. And the United States third place game. Whoever they're going to play, whether it's a rematch against Colombia or a match against Chile. Hopefully, we don't lose 7 to nothing. Yeah, that- Definitely looking to forward to the third place game on Saturday. But going back to the final for a second to Messi, do you think that if Messi loses this final game, and and I think we can both agree that Argentina is the most talented team, does that actually tell us a theme about Argent about Messi not showing up when it counts for for the national team? Uh, I mean, it depends how he plays. I mean, if, what if he scores two goals and they lose three to two? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And also, I, I just, I don't buy into that narrative. It, international matches in, in these kind of situations are such one-off matches. Like, they're, they're, they're I, I don't know. I just don't buy into that. I think they're so hard to win, these one-off matches at the international level, especially when they happen only once every two or every four years when you have these big tournaments. I mean, yes, I think to truly be considered one of the greats, he has to at least win a Copa America. He probably does have to win a World Cup, and he'll be looking to do that in 2018, but I don't, I don't think that's a theme that he does. He hasn't showed up. I mean, this guy has won five Ballon d'Ors. How many Champions Leagues has this guy won with Barcelona? Well, I said with Argentina. Yeah, but, I mean, I think he's always, you know, in the 2014 World Cup final, I guess he was disappointing. Yeah, he was a non-factor. But, 
I mean, they were still in a position to win, you feel like, especially with Gonzalo Higuain missing that shot. I, I, I don't know. I think uh, I think he's really going to have to play well to prove some of the doubters wrong. But I, I don't agree with that statement. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that's a theme. Yeah. Even if he doesn't show up, even if he doesn't play well. No, I. I, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think if, at that point when you're playing against a team like that, they probably have a plan for you, and and they're going to be focusing on Leon Messi, and it's up to the rest of the team to to pick up some of the slack. You know, as 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 great as this Argentina front three is, it's still not Messi, Neymar, and Suarez. You know what I mean? Messi is still the clear focal point that they have to focus on. Gonzalo Higuain's a fantastic player, and he's probably pretty close. But Nicholas Gaetan's not. Yeah. Who's probably going to step back into that starting role because of Azequiel Levetsi's injury. Right. Uh, and it's only a one-game ban for a yellow card accumulation. But Argentina, in general, though, they, 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 they expect to win this game, and they need to win this game. Yeah. In, in, Anything else is 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 a, a failure, failure for the Copa America. Yeah, okay. it's a failure. I think so. And and you know tomorrow we'll have this episode up a few hours before the game tomorrow uh, between Colombia and Chile on Wednesday. Who do you think is going to win that match? I think Chile is going to win this ma- win this match. They they are missing Arturo Vidal and potentially Diaz with injury, but uh, they've been fantastic. They just we didn't really talk about it, but they absolutely destroyed Mexico seven nothing. We were enjoying it, not enjoying it so much right now uh, after the U.S.'s loss. I think it's still. I mean, that was that. insane. Well, I think because Argentina are a better team, and this is the semifinals, and it obviously was, four nothing, yeah. it's not seven nothing. <laughs> um, but Argent—I mean, if Chile, if Chile can play anything like that, they should beat Colombia. Colombia struggled against Peru. They finished second in their group. You know, they they haven't won since the uh, Paraguay match. They haven't won a match, so that's two matches ago. Um, and well, they haven't won in, in regular time, at least. Um, and uh, I think Chile are just the better team right now. We'll see how much they miss Arturo Vidal. I mean, he's obviously a big miss. He's one of the two best players on the team. But I think I think Chile are going to come through and win and go on to play Argentina. And we'll have a rematch of last year's Copa America final, and then a rematch of the first match of this tournament, the third place match. USA versus Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to be pretty. I'm just saying. Uh, you, you just uh, kind of alluded to the Mexico versus Chile thrashing when, when Chile beat them 7-0. Vargas scored four goals, right? Yes. Yeah, and uh, that was just a crazy game. And a lot of, a lot of uh, people who follow CONCACAF and follow the Mexican national team are saying Osorio out. Do you, do you agree with that, and do you think he should be fired? If, if this team wants some stability, they need to keep a manager. Uh, and Osorio's done well. They have 12 points from World Cup qualifying They're in four matches. They're doing well. It was a fluke loss. But, you know, Juan Carlos Osorio has not done well at certain clubs. He didn't do well in MLS. He didn't do well at Puebla. Um, we'll see if he, if, he, if he sort of falls off during the hex. And that's probably when they fire him. I think firing him after this loss is way too reactionary. And it's it's just not good for the Mexican national team. They need some stability, in my opinion. Because they haven't had that in the last four years. Yeah. yeah. 
Do you think that they would have been better off with Miguel Herrera going into this tournament? No. I, I mean, I don't think so. They won the group. They, yeah, they did. And yeah, 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 they showed pretty well. And Chile, remember, Chile, I don't know why people were doubting Chile in this tournament, um, or why people thought they wouldn't do well in this tournament. This is a team that just won the Copa America last year. I mean, it's a good team. So, I, I'm not saying they're seven goals better than Mexico, but they're a good team. It was a combination of a lot of different things that led to that absolute destruction of Mexico. But, uh, you know... But, 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 I mean, if the whole team, you know, has that poor attitude, you, you have to look to the manager. What poor attitude? Did you watch the game? Yeah. They didn't look like they were even trying after, like, three goals. I don't think that was the case. I think... I think just a lot of things happened, and they just were frazzled, and they ended up giving up seven goals. I, I, I don't think they gave up, necessarily. I think... I, I'm, I, I, I have to rewatch the match to know. Okay. To know. I, I can't really just... I just it. don't think it's as simple as, like, Chile just going out there, outplaying them 7-0, you know? <laughs> no, but I don't think they gave up on the manager. No, I, I, don't, I don't think that so either. I, I, don't think, I don't think Juan Carlos Osorio was... Enabling them to give up, they won the group. It's not like I don't, I don't, just I don't think that's true. I, I don't think that's. I think Osorio did some things poorly in terms of of his tactics. I think maybe Rafa Marquez or Diego Reyes should have started, but I, I don't think, I don't think he, I don't, I don't think anything in terms of the mental game. I don't think he instilled anything within Mexico within the, within the team to say. To, to to lead to the seven nothing loss necessarily mentally. Um, I mean, I think they wanted to they, they wanted to prove themselves on this stage and prove that they were no, a good no, no, team. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really mean before the game. I, I just meant throughout. I mean, I, I guess there's, there's only so much a manager can do. But I think at halftime they're down three nil. Two nothing. Two nothing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to rewatch the match to get a better idea of what was going on. I would, you know, I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on. I was just enjoying myself. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely going to have um, a podcast covering the semifinals and the final of the Copa America Centenario. So look out for that. And we'll definitely have more coverage um, on Euro 2016, which we haven't talked too much about uh, we haven't going, about going it forward. <laughs> yeah. We haven't talked about it at all. Alluded to it. Yeah, things have been kind of crazy. I've, I've been at work... Uh, like I said, you know, we're, we're starting to settle down, so we should have more episodes coming out. We'll definitely cover the Euros some, a little more. We'll be in France, so um, I'm thinking we might, we might do a couple of cool things, maybe interview some fans. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, look out for those. Um, we do remember to contact us on social media or at our email. Our email is soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter and Instagram handles are at uh, soccerbrospod. Make sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe, uh, like us on SoundCloud, share this episode and the podcast with your friends. Thank you guys so much for listening. Also, don't forget to check out AmbitiousStrike.com. Um, Ambitious Strike is a, is a great company with some great clothing. Use the code BROTHERS at checkout for a 15% off discount. And we'll see you guys next time on episode 52 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. Oh, <laughs>